The Morning Tailgate is live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. Thanks to Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Now, here's Clay, Vinny, and Lindsay from the Las Vegas Strip. All right, here we are. Our final kick at the can at Radio Row. It's the Morning Tailgate here on a beautiful and perfect Friday. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, Lindsay Brown, live on Radio Row here at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Big show. Vin Dog. 7.30. We'll be joined by, we got a couple former Raiders. Uh, Kirk Morrison set to join us at 7.30. Icon, Michelle Beadle at 8. Uh, former Raider, Akbar Baja B. Amila will join us at 8.30. 9 o'clock, Hall of Famer, Randy Gratishar, the Bronco legend, will join us as his name gets called today for enshrinement. And then at 9.30, Pritch will join us. Mike Pritchard here. Hit us up on the text line, 702-365-9200. Well, the gang's all here. Look at this. Yeah, we Look at us. Re- reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> Vinny, what was it like yesterday for you, man, when Prince Harry walks out on the stage? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's not many times where you're like, oh, wow. Um, right. Or you see a bunch of... Uh, you know, stars themselves. You know, there were a lot of. St- I was at the. You we're talking about the NFL honors uh, last night over at Resorts World. By the way, beautiful show, wonderful show, um, great production. Uh, it was a, it was a ten out of ten. Uh, capped off by when they're naming the Walter Payton uh, Award winner, which was Cam Hayward. Great uh, choice uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who comes out to present the award? But Prince Harry, and mm-hmm. nobody knew. Nobody knew that that was coming, except for obviously a select few people, and the, the gasp that you heard uh, in the auditorium and, and just like the cheers and excitement from the players and, oh, yes. you know, wives and girlfriends and stars and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, it was one of those type of moments where you're going to remember that one. It was uh, it was awesome to see like how, uh, you know, Las Vegas can go like an up the ante just one more. It's not just an NFL award show. It's the Las Vegas yeah. NFL award show. Just when you thought you ran out your final $20, you reach into the back pocket and huzzah! Oh, one yeah. more spin! One more spin! <laughs> it's not over until I say it's over. Yeah. You had Circus Soleil uh, performing. You had uh, Penn & Teller uh, did, a, did a magic act with. The commissioner, um, who was uh, awesome. graciously, uh, you know, took part in that. Kirk Cousins got after it. He was on dancing. He looked pretty good. Apparently, he's trying to become a host of have, some kind. I, he's going to be hosting a game show. I have show, to say, there's some rhythm show. there. You think? Oh, yeah. There was, he, he, he dropped the hips. He's definitely an athlete. You could tell that he's an athlete. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, because you, you think of Kurt, you think of him as a, you know, kind of a stiff, kind of a, yeah. you know, and he, and he plays that up without, yeah. without, without question. He plays it up. I think there's a little winking going on. The dark Kirkle personality that's kind of her shadow personality that's developed over the last couple of years has endeared him more to me as a Vikings fan right. than he was previously. Because he, it was kind of like, you're stiff, you make a lot of money, whereas the, the holes closed but now they're in on the bit and they don't mind no. playing that up and being the butt of the joke and i love people who are willing to make fun of themselves i agree and and you know the thing is you know uh, uh kirk is who he is yeah in terms of a football player yeah you can't expect you can't turn you know hall of fame into non-hall of fame talent and he, he's gotten the most out of his career let's face it and a lot of people make fun of the money that he is that, he, that he's made but people are willing to pay him mm-hmm. because he provides enough of a service to warrant that money, I guess. But it's not his fault that teams want to uh, pay him. And, and he does his job, and, and he does it as well. He, he's maxed it all out Yeah, for no stone unturned for Kirk Yeah, and, and, you know, who are we or anybody, myself, to, to criticize that? Like, he's gotten everything out of what he was given and then some. And, uh, and good for him, like you said, to just be able to wink along with everybody yep. else. 
I think that's great. Great bit. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And it's been kind of an interesting week for the Raiders. And, uh, you know, as the Chiefs were in the facility yeah. over the uh, the past few days getting ready for the Super Bowl, uh, you were able to catch up with a few of them and get, and get some thoughts on, like, what did they think of the Raiders Intermountain Health can Performance I, can Center? I, can I tell you something? Um, one player in particular. Yes. They all loved it. How's the recruiting yes. process They all going? loved it, first of all. They loved it. Like, Justin Reed started, he was like, you know, the, by the way, can I just tell you? Raiders have a great facility. This was just oh, nice. So, uh, worked my way over to Chris Jones. Yes. If you haven't heard, <laughs> if you've been living under a rock, Chris Jones had to fight and claw and scratch for every little penny that he got from the Kansas City Chiefs this year, and they were only gonna willing to give him a one-year deal. That's a one-year deal. That's yep. It. He's no underappreciated. More. You could no say no more. That, that this is it. We'll see what happens this year. This year, twenty twenty-three. So he's a pending free agent. I think the uh, Chiefs would be crazy to let him uh, out of their fold. But you never know how things are going to turn out. Yeah. So as of right now, he's a pending free agent. What a stroke of luck for the Raiders to be able to open their doors to the best free agent on the market. As of right now, we'll see if he actually hits the market. To be able to say, well, if you're, yeah, just in case look something doesn't, you know. Look at the beautiful mountains. Players are talking about the mountains as the scenery. I'm sure there's snow up there right now. Mm-hmm. Like, take, you know, in, in, in Kansas City, we've got a couple hills. We've got some coyotes that come out there every once in a while. This thing was spectacular. This was beautiful. And Chris Jones was going on and on and on about it. And I'm not lying. He was going on and oh, on about good, it. Oh, good, good, good. And so then I finally said, I go, you know, um, just saying. Raider fans are pretty happy to hear you say that. He's like, oh, that's crazy. You know, ha, ha, ha. Started <laughs> laughing, but you never know. Well, it's, it, I thought it was interesting when they had a welcome Chris sign at the at the torch at the Raiders <laughs> HQ. That's what I mean. Recruiting says already started, guys. Now, it's already in an active plan. I have to say that uh, uh, the the consensus, too, from the players was we shouldn't be liking this as much as we are because oh, okay. it is the Raiders. Right. And as Drew Tranquil was telling me, he's like, you know, this, I hate the Raiders. I'm sorry, but, you know, they're my – my, my rival, whether it was with the Chargers or now with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm in their locker. It's a beautiful locker room. I hate that I have to be in their locker room. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up in their hot tub. It's the Raiders' hot tub. It's not the Chiefs' hot tub. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's some confliction there. Sure. And then Justin Reed did tell me that, um, you know, just to, to we, we covered some of the Raiders' stuff up with some Chiefs' stuff. So to make it feel a little bit homey, so uh, there were some chief-type things that they did in the locker room and the settings to make it feel a little bit more homey. Or, uh, but, but as Trey Smith said, no way this thing can feel like home. <laughs> this is, this right. is the Raiders' home. Did we're the Chiefs. the Raiders leave behind the hoop of hope? Right. Was that, was that de-installed? Question. I hope it was uninstalled. I would, I, would, I, would, I would think so. But you never know. I, you know what I was picturing? Chiefs players playing on the uh, the the the, uh, the video, the, 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 yeah, the console. Were they, were they, in the they discovered a week before the season yeah. ended? That was the other one. They, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the, uh, the, the, the yeah. There, it, was there's two net, it was sitting in a box, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's there's two TVs. Each faces one direction, and that one TV that faced the bigger part of the of the locker room had never been used. Yep. Because they didn't have a console for it, and then they they found some ex player. Left a beautiful uh, game, you know, uh, console yeah. there that he didn't just, need it. It was just unopened. <laughs> he, I think he didn't he, it was like need it. He got cut or something. Like I that. have an <laughs> Xbox. I have a first edition Xbox One that I bought for my senior year in college that I still use, and this guy didn't need it. 
You know, that, that stuff really happens. Eric Dickerson told me a story when he, when he finally left the Colts, you know, uh, after however many years he was there. He just left his house and gave it to um, the, the, the defensive tackle from Washington that the, that the Colts drafted number one years ago. Um, he was really good. Ertman or Itman or whatever. I forget what his name was. Really good player, but injuries, he didn't. He just said, take it. He goes, there's clothes in here. There's a, just have it. You got it. I'm, I'm out. So just, clothes is one thing. Furniture, I understand, and yeah, stuff, or maybe a throw blanket or two. I don't mm-hmm. want to take the the mounted TV off the wall because TVs are like two hundred bucks for a hundred. I know like you can't inch. relate to this. No, you, I can't. No, you take everything. No, so, no. Here's the you, problem. I lost my, my my childhood home was sold this year to one of my best friends that I grew that's up weird. with. That's and weird. And now there's a, so weird. That's so weird. weird. Like yes. one of my best friends that I grew up with. The reason why I was a Packers fan first is now using like a desk that I acquired from another one of my friends. Like, they have furniture, they have stuff, and I never got to say bye to the house either. Wow. And so it's really weird. Some of your stuff still remains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. But well, yeah, because we've all moved. And Sounds fine. The, the, the thought of <laughs> moving really is over just, it. sometimes have you ever just gone, I just want just leave it here. I'm just going to start a new, I don't want to deal with boxing all this stuff. <laughs> right. I don't yeah. want to deal with that hassle. That's, that's. I've, I always use it as a replenishing moment, like when I've moved, like just throw a bunch of stuff out. We don't need it. It doesn't need what to be. What if we need it later? There's no. There is. Then go. You throw away the cord, and then a week later you need that cord, even though you had been stockpiling it for two years and hadn't touched it. That always happens. Uh, it see, always Vinny, happens. Vinny lives a, lives a simple life, but you and I will ask, how do I know I won't need it again? Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, I, I, I ask myself that question, and I go, yeah, I'll just go over to uh, Target and buy another one. Well, how hard see, is that? I, I'm trying to get to your part, your, your lifestyle, because I, I accumulate way too stuff, but, and I hold on to it way for way too long. And I'll say this. I've never needed it again. Now, right. now you want to know a little crazy story about this? So my, so my uh, mother-in-law has an old, just like an old camera. My daughter is infatuated with old cameras. You know? Love that for her. Now, it's not like when we talk about old cameras, we're talking about cameras like in the early 2000s and stuff like oh, that. Okay. Oh, that she wants like a digital. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, well, but she does like the Insta one, you know, the one that is the Polaroid. Yeah. So she loves that. But she also, any other kind of older camera, right? Oh, sure. So digital, ca- whatever. So uh, my, my mother-in-law gave her a, uh, she, she keeps everything. So she gave her, you know, this camera the other day, and, and it turns out that she, the, the cord that you needed to put it in the computer to download your, your you know, oh, right. that didn't come with it. Sure. So um, and Jazz was like, come on, it's grandma. You know that that cord is somewhere in that house. You know <laughs> yeah. that it's boxed up. And uh, so it took her a couple of days, yeah. but she went digging through the crates, digging through the boxes, and lo and behold. Oh, God bless her. Because she, really? ha- she never <laughs> throws anything away. So. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's the one time where it was needed. It was actually needed. So uh, typically for me, it's never needed. But in this case. We say buy a new camera. That's what he would do. We don't yes. have to record, buy a new camera. Yes. Just but, get a whole new unit. Right, right. But trying to find those uh, those equivalences on, uh, you know, to find that cord on Amazon or something, it's a bedeviling thing. It is. Because some of it's all outdated and you can't find it anymore. Think about this. Like on our computers now, there's no, uh, to remember how we used to be able to co- hook into the Wi-Fi? Like if the Wi-Fi wasn't working. Yeah, an Ethernet cord. Yeah. How many of these computers are not built with Ethernet? Ethernet or even cords? like putting DVDs in there, playing some no CD ROMs. Yeah, get that CD ROM. What if I want to put on Zoo Tycoon? <laughs> I still don't know how to download that off the internet. Can somebody teach me? My mother in law did I don't know how to work Steam. It's mo- all confusing. My mother in law did ask, how do you save stuff if you don't have something to put it on like a disc? Or yeah, a floppy. Where's the floppy <laughs> disc? It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my kids go, are you serious? Are, you, are we? Is that? But the thing is, everything goes in the cloud, and once the servers 
go down. Everything's going to be gone. Like, I think we're living in a dark age right now. We just don't know it yet because we're in such a transition time in, oh, yeah. in technology where there's so many different formats, so many different chords, and so you save certain things in certain places, but then it's obsolete in 10 years, and how are you going to get it out? Like, how do you take the the Instagram story thread that you created and, and put that somewhere? It you used, can't put it anywhere. It lives forever. on that app. It used yeah. to be you went over to Grandma's house, and there was volumes and volumes of photo uh, albums. Oh, I got them. Yeah. My grandma still makes them. Yeah. You yeah. go over there and you make spaghetti art. That's all you did. And now these kids are working Photoshop and certain YouTube but they love the. Oh, yeah. But they love going through the Yeah. The, they love the oh, yeah. It's the best. You my son is uh, it's tangible. He took a look at my mom saved uh, VHS tapes from my prom and some other Christmas Dear parties. God. And my son sat there and watched it over and over again. He was <laughs> Because he had never seen anything long form taken like, you know, normally. Daddy, why are your eyes so red? Yeah, yeah. right. You see <laughs> things for like 30, 30 seconds to a minute yeah. long sure. of his life. But this just went on for hours and hours and hours and he was like blown away by right. it. Was, like he's kind of like hoping like hey i wish i had that in my I, life and I'm the like, art form's I'm dictated like, by technology i will yeah. say that um maybe about 20 years ago um my my cousin found an old box in one of the houses that our, you know our our fathers grew up in oh right and on. it was it was just all you know the the um whatever film was was back then Eight back millimeter. in the, yes, yeah of them when they were kids so wow. it was the first time I was able to see my father oh. walking, not in just the pictures, but walking around, you know, just at the park, having, a, you know, uh, oh. family gatherings. Oh, man, I cried like a baby. That's sacred. Cried like a baby. Oh, this yeah. is good. Well, I'll tell you what, we're off and running here. We got a lot to get into. Vinny is here. Lindsay Clay, live on Radio Row. It's all brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. We talked with Ariel Epstein, the prop queen, and we want to get in touch with, like, you know, uh, we want her to come to the table because we want to talk about, like, where is this going now for the prop bets and the action for Super Bowl? We get in touch with Ariel coming up next on the Morning Tailgate. Back here on Radio Nation Radio at the Morning Tailgate. Thank you so much for being with us here. We're live on Radio Row, and our coverage is brought to you by Paul Paddle Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the discovery. It's about the recovery. And, you know, it's really happy to have Ariel Epstein here with us, the world-famous prop queen, Aww. sports betting host and analyst with Fanatics, uh, MLB Network, NBA TV. You're absolutely everywhere, and we love that you made time for us because this is a, the epicenter of everything that's happening. And on this Friday, we got a lot of work to do. Oh, my gosh, do we ever. The fun part about the gambling world I had all my work done two weeks ago. I knew that the game was happening. I knew that I had to start looking up my props. I have been watching these prop movements for the last couple of weeks, which has been the work I've done every day. Every day, just seeing where the lines go. Early in the week last week, you knew that was sharp action coming in because these, like, you know, average Joe's betters aren't betting last week. Right, right. So it's all coming down, and, and you're a big deal. And you have this trademarked as well, Prop Queen. I mean, that's a big label. Not everybody gets it. So please fill us in on, on that whole process because I'm guessing it was pretty exhaustive. Yeah, I'm lucky that I have a dad who's an attorney. He has been seeing my Prop Queen thing for the last few years since I started in the media side of gambling of 2019. Yeah. I didn't come up with it, by the way. It was people like you who had me on their shows. The difference is, like you guys know in Vegas, Vegas is more of like sides, totals, like spread, etc. Oh, yeah. Like um, the the props was really more of the big thing for the East Coasters, like myself from New York. When it got legalized, Vegas wasn't really as big into the props. That's why I jumped into the prop market. Everyone here in Vegas is going to be way more trusted and respected from every other angle of betting <laughs> than me. 
until the props came around. So right. I've been doing that. And now my dad, just in the last two years, said, you got to trademark it. You got to trademark it. Yeah. I said, okay, you're the lawyer. Trademark it. Put that paperwork in, Dad. <laughs> you're, you're telling me I couldn't go to law school. All right, already. <laughs> I, get to, I get paid to talk for a living, but not to make an argument against like someone who sp should be in jail. So anyway, uh, he trademarked prop queen for me over this like he started the process over the summer and it's been really cool to have that's fascinating about the the differences in in cultural betting east coast versus out yep. here i guess i never thought of the nuance but of course that exists why why is that uh why are props more popular on the east coast is it just the informality that there's more of them oh what's your what's your read on it way larger menu of props out on these kinds of i don't know which sports books i can name but the sports books that are more digitally based online yeah here in Vegas, it's a lot more brick and mortar. Yeah. There's a lot, um, and I would say too, Vegas didn't want to disrupt what they know makes their money. Whereas right. these, and that's why you don't see these FanDuel, DraftKings, Fanatics, all these online books, they're not really here yet because they didn't want to disrupt what Vegas already has. Right. So they became a lot bigger in the props. And truthfully, when you lived in Vegas for so long, you've been betting probably since you were before even allowed to bet technically according to the law whereas on the east coast where it's all new these people have been able to play fantasy sports well before they were able to bet legally mm -hmm. so that's why i think you're seeing a lot of these people who bet fantasy sports make this transition into the props market because it's a lot easier for them to understand we're speaking with Ariel Epstein, Prop Queen, Fanatic Sportsbook, as well as MLB Network, NBA TV. You've seen her everywhere. And it's funny because around the Super Bowl, everyone wants to like feel like this is going to be a high-scoring affair. It's almost a propensity. They're like, we want to see you know action. And prop bets are funny that way because sometimes props, when they lay out a number, it's already a little inflated. Oh, yeah. Have you already seen some like discrepancies of what reality is and what the market wants you to think? Of course. First off, you're seeing the number on Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey already go from 68, 68. Nine and a half oh, yeah. to 72 and a half on his receiving yards hmm. doesn't sound like a lot in the props it is a lot to move by two or more yards on anything then there's the numbers like Brock Purdy who I've seen drop a little bit in his pass attempts which is why I, I do like his under on pass attempts it's one of the few unders I'll bet because I do see the Niners having to run the football more against the Chiefs keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands the last time that we saw Mahomes lose a Super Bowl was against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Brady only threw 29 times, and he's a future Hall of Famer. They right. ran the football. Mm -hmm. I could see the Niners doing the same thing, which is also why the MVP market's really interesting. Do you guys realize that the MVP market has the non-Super Bowl favorite winning MVP, Patrick Mahomes? Really? When was the last time that we saw that, that the non-quarterback to be favored is favored to win the Super Bowl? And that's because, or the MVP... And that's because I asked John Murray, who runs the West. He's at the Superbook at the yeah. West Yeah, we We've love talked John. to John. I love John. Yeah, and I was with him yesterday, and I said, John, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Why is it not Brock Purdy who's favored? Right. He said, there are so many more options for San Francisco players to yes. win MVP over their quarterback, like a McCaffrey, like a Debo Samuel, whereas if the Chiefs win... How is it not going to be Patrick Mahomes? Right. And let's be honest. It's not like Purdy has shown to be a world burner throughout this entire playoff so far. Now, in the fourth quarter, when the moments matter most, he's been able to get him over right. the finish line. But in terms of being that overall presence throughout the game that would warrant an MVP, he just hasn't shown it yet. And I'm not nearly as critical of him as a lot of other people. I want to yeah. give him a chance. But when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, just like when Mahomes is going up against Brady, you're just like, 
Well, I got to see what you're going to do because uh, I could probably turn in the best game of my entire life, and it's probably still not going to be enough. But uh, the running game is going to be such a big aspect for both teams, and I'm fascinated to see how Isaiah Pacheco attacks and runs against the 49ers defense. Mm -hmm. So what are some props that you like around Isaiah Pacheco? So Pacheco, I would go for his receiving yards over. I could see them utilizing him more in the passing game than in the run game. The mm. Niners have a really good run defense. The Niners linebackers are going to be on them, making sure that they could stop that run game. But Pacheco, he's been utilizing the passing game a decent amount throughout the year and mm. not so much in the playoffs. So I could see them utilizing him in that sense, so either over receptions, over receiving yards for Pacheco. Same goes for Christian McCaffrey. What do you think will be like the, the biggest number for the rushing attempts or receiving attempts? <sighs> They're both way too inflated for me. I'm off the McCaffrey props. Okay. They're going to utilize him a lot. I just am not going to bet the biggest number on the board. I could see, you know, Mahomes' numbers are, there are certain edges there, Purdy, yeah. certain edges there. McCaffrey, I'm way too scared to bet any unders for him. The overs, he has the highest rushing total. He's at like 92 and a half at this point. His receiving's at 35 and a half, and yet if you look against the Chiefs, you haven't really seen a running back have over 30 receiving yards too often, even though it's a category they have struggled with in the past. They've been better against it. I'm off McCaffrey props. I tell people to always look to these smaller markets. Longest reception prop. Love those. I have a sleeper play. Justin Watson, the Chiefs wide receiver. I look through all of the Chiefs receivers on the road because you've got to look at road games more than you look at any home games. It's a neutral site. On the road, Rashi Rice. His yeah. longest reception prop, I mean, his longest reception average drops on the road. Same with Travis Kelsey. Justin Watson averages 17 yards per longest catch on the road, and his prop is 12 and a half. It's a low longest reception prop. Yeah, it's my wow. sleeper Easy. play. That's a no-brainer right there. Hope it so. seems like it. And that's the thing, too, about how, how numbers are deceiving. And there's the read because, well, Travis Kelsey, longest reception, but now he's also scoring touchdowns. Yep. It's all about situational awareness, and you have to keep all this in context. And I'm not a numbers person, so I don't know how you do what I love you do. Math. But that's what makes you the prop queen. That's <laughs> what makes you the prop queen, Ariel Epstein. And, and what is the wackiest prop you've come across? It's probably not game-related but adjacent that you're like, you know what? that I could make money on. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily wacky, but I would say the over two and a half players to throw a pass Ooh. is one of the plays that I like a lot. You got to get creative in the sure. Super Trick Bowl. Trick play. Trick, Trick plays play. happen all the time. You've got McCaffrey who could throw. Debo Samuel can throw. Maybe Travis Kelsey can throw. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of players who have attempted a pass, and it's only an attempt. It doesn't matter if he completes it. Just right. a pass attempt over two and a half. Is there any uh, cross-sports props that you like to play with as far as, like, you know, other games, even at the global book level or even here in Las Vegas? Is there anything that stands out to you for the cross-sports prop? Ooh, I haven't looked into that market yet, actually. Because there's so, hundreds of them. I know. And at the same time, I know that you're always busy with the NBA, so they always throw tons of NBA stuff on the weekends. Oh, yeah. So it's like, for you, is that something that you try to stay away from because there's so many variables? I stay away from it. I try really hard to just zone in on <laughs> the Super Bowl because it's so hard. It is the sharpest game. It's tough because, yeah. of course, Prop Queen, everyone thinks that I'm going to have, like, the best Super Bowl ever every year. And I said, actually, no, Prop Queen's really good for regular season because there's so many more edges <laughs> when you get yes. 16 different games to choose from as opposed to one. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And the cross-sport stuff is great for being able when you're sitting around all day, especially on the East Coast, waiting for something to happen. But, um I know that the NBA day of, I'll probably find some edges just because 
It's sure. so good betting all the other sports, not football, on the day of the Super Bowl. The odds makers are so zoned in to the big game. Oh, They're not looking as much at these other small sports for the day because everyone else is small compared to the Super Bowl. Uh, NBA, I'll definitely be on something. So we'll see. But Sunday, it's hard. Like, it's only, what, Thursday today? Yeah. So we've got to see. You never know in the NBA. You never know when you buy a Cel I know everyone did this online. The Celtics tickets for the Celtics-Lakers game, and then AD and LeBron decide to it so thanks guys thanks yeah nba if you think i'm betting that sport before like 2 p.m eastern time you're crazy <laughs> well yeah and you have people getting pulled off the floor 10 minutes before the game even starts and i don't blame the 76ers and joel Embiid because yeah. he got hurt like two games later but i know you've been fully focused on the super bowl again we're talking to ariel epstein points bet uh fanatic sportsbook here who do you like for the title? Because we're having a lot of movement already early yeah. on trade deadline day. I know that there's there's teams that are desperate that have pushed all their chips in the middle. And the team that I think of probably the most in that desperation mode is Phoenix. But I'm curious about what you think. Oh, yeah. Well, first off, I do want to give a shout-out to the New York Knicks because they just made a heck of a trade today. They got back Alec Burks. They, got back, they now have Bojan Bogdanovic, who I – Love. Sweet. I have been betting Bojan overs in Detroit all season. 21 and a half, give it to me. The only over you can bet in Detroit, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's like the only reason <laughs> to watch a Pistons game. So I really love what the Knicks did. They just made themselves a huge playoff contender. But when it comes to the title, although I know that everyone's on the Celtics, I'm just not as high on Boston. They can't seem to find a way to win the big game. Yeah. So I agree with you. I do really like Phoenix. The injuries do scare me. But from a value perspective, the Suns probably have the value. Another team to look out for in the Eastern Conference is Miami. Yes. The Miami mm -hmm. Heat are always a team that they surprise people every year in the playoffs. They play great defense. They've got a great center in Bam Adebayo. Mm -hmm. They've got Jimmy Butler when he's healthy. And he's a great leader for the team. They just have they have Tyler Hero, who's a great three point shooter. They've added to that offense since even like a few weeks ago. And they win big games. They win. They big win. Games. They, they have what the Celtics don't have. Yes, and they've got great coaching. Yeah. Eric Spolstra is awesome. So I really like Miami always. So Every awesome. year they are a great shot to so at least if you could get them into the Eastern Conference Finals, then maybe if you like to, you could hedge out of it once they make it there. Don't sleep on them. But, yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to my Knicks. All right. What's up? Prop queen Ariel <laughs> Epstein here with us. Thank you so much for making time with us on a busy weekend. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. Back after this on the Morning Tailgate. Back to the Morning Tailgate, live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Thank you so much for joining us here. We're live on Radio Row. Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor, I'm Clay Baker. Former Oakland Raider linebacker Kirk Morrison will join us in just a few minutes. Thanks again to Ariel Epstein from uh, the, the great prop queen. Uh, it's so awesome to have her on. Anyways, here's another thing. Like uh, My friend over at uh, a Global Book had sent me some uh, information that he got dissected from social media. He also sends me a lot of trends and, and, and point spreads and things that are new on the market. He sent this. He says uh, they went through the information on Facebook and Instagram, finding which NFL team has the highest percentage of fans on Facebook and Instagram that follow their team, but also follow, follow Taylor Swift. And obviously the Chiefs are your obvious favorite, 39%. Follow both. Yep, Got follow it. both mm -hmm. and Makes engage. Sense. The Raiders, 
second to last. And it's only because they would be last. But, see, the Chargers are always last in all fan engagement because <laughs> their fans do not engage with the team at all. They don't do anything on social media. It's almost like they don't even exist. The Chargers? The Chargers. I love their social media well, team. Because they pay for some good social media, especially yeah. around the draft and stuff. But their fans do not interact at all yeah. on social media. They don't engage. But the Raiders, at the bottom, they are not getting involved with any of the Taylor Swift Yeah, action. And I have to say this. Uh, you know, I've been out there um, uh Look, I know this is a – we do a Raiders show, but I've been impressed with Travis Kelsey, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, and how he's handled uh, all of this. Yesterday uh, there was a, a reporter. She was from the Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was at the big podium, so it was one of those ones where they handed you the microphone and all that. And, and she said, hey, Travis, you know, I'm with the LA Times. Literally my editor sent me here only for you and Taylor Swift. Oh. So he's like, oh, that's cool. You know, great. You know, what do you got? You know, and um, he's he, he completely – has embraced this mm-hmm. and done it in a in a in a, in a great way that um, that I think more uh, people what, whatever it is that you're being asked or whatever you know you, you you've been thrown into embrace it have fun with it you don't have to always fight things and everything and and, and I think that it's it's really it's it's healthy the way he's talked about her and their relationship mm-hmm. and what it's meant. I just think that he's ha- handled it really well. He's an extremely secure human being and, yeah. and man. And so I, I've been really impressed with it, too, because there is a world in which I can have a whole kingdom myself, and so can my partner, whoever that can be. And there's there's always this competition piece that seems present in a lot of our relationships, whether that's romantic or not. But that's where he, he allows space, he allows people to, to gravitate to this because ultimately it's helping him and it's helping the Chiefs. And real quick, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hate out there too, and it would be easy to fight back against that hate. And he's right. like, whatever. You're, I don't you're care. probably Waste a loser anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're joined now by uh, former Oakland Raider linebacker Kirk Morrison, Kirk. eight year NFL vet, ESPN college football analyst, and does such a great job on the Rams pre, half, and post game show. Kirk, good morning to you. How are you? I'm doing well. How, how are you guys this morning? You oh, guys, uh, so good. We, Thanks. We, uh, escape the traffic. Yeah. No, no traffic out there just yet. I mean, everybody's <laughs> flying in today. It's Friday now. So we oh. got the weekend traffic. How are we doing? It's touch and go, to be honest with you. I mean, we we, we got to leave like an hour and a half early if you want to go anywhere in this town. But, I mean, hey, uh, what did you think about uh, you know, Las Vegas and when you first got reaction that they were going to get the Super Bowl? And now when you're starting to see the pictures of how Las Vegas and the NFL are coming together to embrace the world's biggest game. Honestly. They can tell you it was inevitable, and you knew that because a couple years ago, I thought Las Vegas did an unbelievable job handling the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun draft, and I thought that was the NFL's welcome embrace to having big events. The draft is, look, it's, it's one of the cool events, but, the, the, but all the hotels, the venues, convention centers did an amazing job, and once you do that, we said a Super Bowl is like inevitable, and now to have it here, um, this has been a great host. And the one thing I will say this um, is when you have a Super Bowl, it's always more like it's a regional thing. It's celebrating the NFL and all of its 32 teams. But for some reason, and you guys correct me, it feels like this is an international Super Bowl. Like it really feels like everyone is here because Las Vegas is such an infancy or in its infancy in terms of uh, being an NFL franchise that it really feels like everybody is embracing the Super Bowl from all across the world. Yeah, I completely uh, agree, Kirk. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we talk about this because this is a kind of a nightmare uh, matchup for Raider fans. You've got 
their hated rivals from the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, and then also their Bay right. Area rivals, the San Francisco 49ers. But if there's a fan base that probably hates this uh, um, you know, Super Bowl even more, or, or as much, nearly as much, it's the Rams, because you know Ram fans do not want to see mm-hmm. the 49ers win uh, another Super Bowl. But I want to stay with the Rams a little bit, because they got it turned around pretty quickly this year from the season that they had last year. Uh, what do you attribute that to, and where do you feel their future lies? You know, Vinny, the great thing was last night I was on the NFL Honors red carpet, and I talked to the Rams, or he's the um, the greatest rookie wide receiver yeah. in NFL history in Puka Nakua. The Rams drafted 14 players, Vinny, last year. All 14 players made the initial 53-man 53 53-man 53 roster, mm-hmm. and they were sustained throughout the season for the most part. That brought a youthful enthusiasm to a group that had no idea what expectations were. You know what I mean? Like, yep. basically, on the outside, everyone said, hey, you're going to be bad. You're not going to make the playoffs, this and that. And yet, you talk to these young rookies, they're like, we don't know what that means. We're just happy to be in the NFL. And I thought that youthful enthusiasm of the team is what really propelled them to not just a winning record, but to really, I think, jump over those expectations and really set a foundation for a future for what was supposed to be a rebuild for the Rams. Talking to Kirk Morrison here, former Raider and uh, ESPN college football broadcaster and all over the Rams. And, and the, the fascinating thing about the Rams is that they're really similar to the Lions in that way where they had a lot of their draft talent re- not only retained, but they were able to make an impact early on. And so you see these right. these programs that are making these quicker turnarounds. Even Houston we could probably put on there considering the, the talents that uh, took home some hardware last night as you were at the award show. There's a new regime here in Las Vegas. Antonio Pierce, the new head coach for the Raiders, a linebacker just as you were. What is it about playing this position that translates so well into coaching? Wow, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm glad you bring in more awareness to us linebackers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the NFL, I always said that out, the next most important position on the field outside of quarterback, I think, is the middle linebacker. And you've seen that. I know Mike Vrabel is not a head coach right now currently in this cycle, but he's another former linebacker. You mentioned the Houston Texans, their head coach, D'Amico Ryan. He's a former linebacker. Antonio Pierce, he's a linebacker. Uh, There's a reason why, and it's because the linebacker, the leader of the defense that gets everybody lined up, that gets the secondary, all the calls, and you're right there in the middle of it. You're in the thick of it. I did it for eight years in the National Football (laughs) League, and I can tell you – you know, a lot is put on your shoulders. Uh, you've got two great ones that will be playing this weekend in, in Kansas City. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, and, I'm sorry, in the Super Bowl with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, who's the best in the NFL. They just have a lot on their shoulders. And when you think about the leadership role that they have to take, it's really important to motivate your players. Antonio Pierce, you mentioned with the Raiders, I saw him last night. And he said something interesting to me and had me want to run through a brick wall was, he basically, you know, we asked him the question, hey, Antonio, you know, what about Kansas City and what about Denver and the Chargers? They, they've got Jim Harbaugh. You know, how do you feel about them? And the great answer that he told me, how do they feel about us? <laughs> like, why aren't they fearing us? Why aren't they thinking about us? So many people worry about the outside. Hey, why don't they worry about who we are and what we can do and what we can bring? And I thought that was – that's leadership right there because he turned the focus on – hey, you got to deal with us. We don't have to deal with you. 
Kirk, I know you're there with Caroline. I know you got to run. Uh, why is this this time is so special uh, for you? And, and what kind of message would you like to send out there? Because this is a, a this really rare moment in time. Yeah, I'm, I'm here with Rebuilding Together, and, and Caroline Blaker, she's the CEO of uh, Rebuilding Together. I'm here with her and uh, about this community because I feel like I'm now part of the Las Vegas community because of the Raiders coming here. And being a former Raider, you want to venture out, uh, like I said, this young fan base uh, of Las Vegas and really tell people that it's more to Vegas than just the Strip and just the Raiders. There's been a community that's been here for people. I actually took a recruiting trip to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, back in 1999 when John Robinson was the head coach. So I've always had an affinity and a love for Las Vegas and rebuilding together. And Caroline, I'm here with her. I'll let her speak now because uh, they're doing something great. I couldn't wait to partner. Yeah, well, thank you. And now he's not only a part of Las Vegas, but he's a part of rebuilding together. So welcome to the family. Absolutely. So we're having a great time here as a family and loads you're with us, and we're going to go out and uh, repair homes around this uh, community, and we're going to work on the community center, and we're going to make people's lives here so much better and so much safer, and they can stay in their communities, be with their friends and families, create an asset that they can pass down to their children, and, and really make a transformation in their lives with the work of um, the Rebuilding Together family, now with Kirk helping us. We want you to go online, rebuildingtogether.org, as well as here in Southern Nevada, rtsnv.org, as they are allowing their clients to age in place. And as she says, maintain stable, affordable housing right here in Southern Nevada. You're doing such great work, Caroline. And, Kirk, thank you so much. Let's get you on again so we can talk a little bit more about what your foundation and the nonprofit's doing. Yeah, absolutely. March Madness is right around the corner, fellas, too. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Kirk, Caroline, have the best of days. We appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, thank so you for much. having us. Appreciate it. Rebuildingtogether.org. Make sure you check it out. It's a leading national nonprofit, and in, and in Las Vegas, we need them more than ever. All right, we got to take a quick break. We're a little bit over time. We'll come back with more information about the Raiders, the Super Bowl, and more. From Radio Row, it's the Morning Tailgate. Back to the Morning Tailgate, live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. All right. Radio Row here, Super Bowl on the way between the San Francisco 49ers and the Chiefs. Keep listening all day long to Raider Nation Radio. We'll bring you great coverage here. And make sure you go up online to lvsportsnetwork.com and check out our photo gallery. It's absolutely plentiful and abundant of all the celebrities, current players, former players, Hall of Famers. They're all up there at lvsportsnetwork.com. We've had a blast interviewing them all. And uh, also check out our, our podcast as well up on that site. And um, Raiders made a, a, a bit of a move this week as well as adding more to the executive staff. JoJo Wooden was brought over, the former Chargers interim GM. Right. Uh, he replaced Tom Telesco. <laughs> uh, actually, they're yeah. really close. Uh, okay. They've been working together for 10 years now uh, down in Los Angeles and first San Diego. Uh, so really highly respected uh, executive, personnel executive who's been uh, in the NFL for quite some time now. So uh, he comes, you know, the, obviously the Chargers are going in an entirely new direction with, with Jim Harbaugh and uh, the, the staff that they're, they're putting in, in, in place uh, in terms of their general manager and scouting staff and personnel. So uh, opening for JoJo to rejoin Tom Telesco uh, here, in, um, here, here with the Raiders. I don't think it affects Champ Kelly's position at all. He's the assistant general manager. He's under contract, and I know – 
you know, talking to Tom Telesco and, and Mark Davis, the owner, they want him back. Uh, they, 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 they appreciate and respect and understand what he brings to the table. But JoJo is another layer of brain power. Um, and, you know, it's definitely not a one-man jo- job or a two-man job, two-person job uh, anymore. There's so much that goes into this from the pr- uh, college side of things and the pro pro personnel side of things, uh, the administrative side of things. Uh, so having as many capable people as you possibly can, whether it's on the coaching staff uh, or on the uh, that side of the building, uh, it, it's, it can only benefit. Collaboration. Yes, you want We're the very best. It. You want the best. You want to be surrounded by the best. You want to be surrounded by people that you know that you can trust and do the job and all the little things you need. Because if you don't, you're going to have to do all the work yourself. Mm-hmm. And Tom Telesco is smart enough to understand that I need the best possible staff around me. You know, and I've, I've, I've seen some, oh, they're making it the Chargers. Geez. Uh, you know, when you, when you come into a, a new job like Tom Telesco is, uh, and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving – you know, it's not it's not the worst thing to bring somebody in that you've been working with for ten years, who reads you, knows you like a book, and and uh, speaks your same same language, and 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 JoJo can kind of teach that to the holdover staff as well as Tom, because you what you want to do is try to make this as seamless as possible, and there are going to be changes. There's going to be different verbiage. There's going to be different ways that they look at players compared to the previous uh, staff. Yes. Um, uh, you know, uh, scouts talk in different language. I'm sure you know this from hockey, that it's not universal. You know, uh, each team has a different approach, a different prototype, and kind of a different language. So, and it's, it's, it's you know, eventually Tom and JoJo are going to have to teach the entire staff all of that. And I think Tom brought this up at his introductory press conference. It's going to be more about the holdovers kind of carrying him a little bit during this stage because you're too late in the process in terms of the draft and free agency that it, that mm-hmm. is easier to do at one you know, teach one guy, uh, what, you know, rather than reverse engineer, which they'll eventually do, and a guy like JoJo helps in that regard. He shall be known as Mojo JoJo. Oh, finally. There it is. And we will have plenty of buttons to push. <laughs> the Mojo JoJo. Well, it's from Powderpuff Girls. Oh, so there's a, there's a villain called Mojo JoJo. Oh, that's right. So, oh, I forgot yes, about that. Yes, We're yeah. still workshopping Telly's, though, because Telly, uh, there needs to be a little bit more bite to it. That's right. Yeah. Who's, who's going to be the mayor with a great voice? The, well, we already have the mayor. Yeah. It's Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. The mayor. Big Mike. You know, we're going to cut up a bunch of Powder Puff Girls stuff. You know, I don't know why I'm calling it Powder know, Puff. That's what my dad called it, yeah. Power Puff. Power Puff. Kind of getting old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up Michael Mayer because I think Luke gets his offense. That's going to be something that you're going to see expand. The role of, Tom, of, uh, of, of Michael Mayer is going to expand um, because that's something that Luke Getze definitely, uh, you know, uh, appreciates a, a position that they that they definitely um, promote uh, and put in a good position. So uh, what a better player than Michael Mayer to, uh, to have as an asset for him. All right, we'll be back in 90 seconds with icon Michelle Beadle. She joins us here at the <laughs> She's table. She's literally already here early. <laughs> my type of woman, my type of woman. Back after this in 90 seconds. Don't go anywhere.